All right, good morning once again. It's great to see you here, and I'm glad that we have a chance to open God's Word, and in doing so, open something uh, inside of each of us to be receptive, to be attentive, to, to, I think, something that's really important, something God wants to affect through the work of His Holy Spirit in our lives. And so this morning, we are continuing in our Imprint 2022 teaching series, our learning adventure through the classical Christian spiritual disciplines. This is week seven of that series and we are finishing up what i've called the inner disciplines the inner disciplines those spiritual disciplines that we practice and often if we're doing them properly no one really sees it happening because it's happening in those quiet hours in those times alone with god that we're cultivating each day uh, we've covered things like scripture study scripture meditation last week we talked about prayer does anyone know what we might talk about today as the final of the inner disciplines? Fasting. Did you cheat? Did you see that somewhere? All right, no. Fasting. You're right, Caleb. Today we're talking about fasting, which is considered an inner discipline because when we practice it and practice it biblically or appropriately or as, as Christ intended for us to do, no one's going to notice. And sometimes that kind of drives us crazy, right? I don't know if anyone's ever tried fasting. Man, it's hard. Sometimes the hardest part of it is not just the going out without food. It's doing it in obscurity. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that today. But um, there is in the discussion, the, 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 the learning about fasting, there is a subtle irony involved. Why is it called fasting? Because to go fast you must go slow. In the area of fasting, uh, the concept of fasting, the spiritual discipline of forsaking food or other significant things, we have to slow down. So somebody somewhere deserves the question, hey, why isn't it called slowing instead of fasting? I don't know the etymology here. I'm not sure if there's some Latin root that actually means you know, something like slowing down, doing without. But in our English vernacular, fasting seems like something we're pretty familiar with. Fast. We love it fast. In our frenetic, overstimulated world where everything is so big, everything is so convenient and instantaneous, the idea of fasting feels a lot like slowing down, doesn't it? When everything is so convenient and everything is so accessible all the time in any amount, it's really countercultural and also counterintuitive to step away, to put down the fork, to turn it off, and to stop consuming stuff. Probably more than at any other time in human history, our world is in desperate need of slowing down of slowing down. Our world is in desperate need of, of the healing and the quieting focus that comes with biblically informed fasting. Would you guys agree with that statement? Man, I think we need it more now than ever. I don't imagine like peasants in like feudal England struggled with being overloaded with stuff to do, like distractions, you know, the, 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 uh, the adrenaline hit of like checking Twitter. I mean, 
Well, you didn't have as much to do, but now we're so stuffed. We're so overloaded. I think more than any other time in history, we need slowing down. So what is fasting? Our, our functional short definition of fasting is this. It is abstaining from food, from activity, and from pursuits so that we may feast more on the word. So that we may feast more on the presence of God without distraction. Richard Foster, who wrote The Celebration of Discipline, he helpfully explains, Throughout scripture, fasting refers to abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. It is the voluntary denial of normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. The normal means of fasting involves abstaining from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water. Donald Whitney, who wrote Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, further clarifies, fasting does not always deal with abstinence from food. Okay, it's not just about food. Sometimes we may need to fast from involvement with other people or from the media, from the telephone, from talking, from sleep, etc., in order to become more absorbed in a time of spiritual activity. The practice of fasting can begin with skipping one meal. Have you ever tried fasting? You probably started by saying, well, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna skip a meal, or I'm going to do without some food, okay? The practice of fasting can begin with skipping one meal or activity, but it can be extended. It can be extended uh, to, doing it, to doing without something for several days. As you become more familiar with the practice and more focused on its necessity. Remember, as we talk about fasting, please hear this, fasting, is not the point okay fasting isn't the point fasting is not the end fasting is a means to a greater end. fasting is a means to a greater end and that greater end is a deeper communion with God a deeper communion with God so according to uh, Richard Foster there are three reasons why we fast why fast well Richard Foster says three reasons essentially fasting reveals balances and prepares it reveals balances and prepares it reveals it balances and it prepares a feast for us in the life with god foster says more than any other spiritual discipline fasting reveals the things that control us fasting reveals the things that control us this is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of jesus christ we cover up what is inside us with food and other good things but in fasting these things surface if pride controls us it will be revealed almost immediately anger bitterness jealousy strife fear if they are within us they will surface during fasting so fasting reveals what's going on inside of us the things that control us secondly foster says fasting helps us keep balance in our life Fasting helps us keep balance in our life. How easily we allow non-essentials to take precedence in our lives. How quickly we crave things we do not need until we are enslaved by them. Man, that's true, isn't it? Something starts out as something we enjoy or we like, but it gets out of its banks and it just starts to take over. And so the thing we crave turns into something that we're controlled by, we're enslaved by it. So, First, fasting reveals the things that control us. Secondly, it helps bring balance to our lives. And thirdly, 
Foster says, in the, in the experience of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the word of God. Fasting is feasting. Fasting reminds us that we are sustained, as Matthew 4, 4 says, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Food ultimately does not sustain us. God sustains us. Matthew 4, 4, you remember what's happening there? Jesus is being tempted in the wilderness and, and, and Satan comes and tempts him in his hunger. Like, hey, turn these stones into bread. He's like, it is written. Man does not survive on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, and that's true for us too. Ultimately, what sustains us at the soul level is God himself. So fasting, it reveals, it balances, and it prepares. So Donald Whitney gets on the action too, as far as why fast. Biblical purposes for fasting. There are uh, six that Whitney gives. He, he says, we fast in order to strengthen, to express, to overcome, to humble, to demonstrate, and to center. Let's walk through these real quick. First, Donald Whitney says, biblical fasting strengthens us. To str we fast to strengthen our prayer and to seek God's guidance. We fast to strengthen our prayer and to seek God's guidance. Secondly, we fast to express grief or repentance. Can you think of a time in the Bible when someone fasted out of grief or out of deep repentance and sorrow? Absolutely. Third, we fast to overcome temptation or seek deliverance and protection. We cry out and we fast uh, to overcome temptation and seek deliverance. Uh, four, we fast to humble ourselves before God. Fifth, we, we fast to demonstrate concern for God's work or to minister to the needs of others. And sixth, we fast in order to center our attention. To center our attention, to cultivate an appetite for simply loving and worshiping God. Five, yes, uh, to demonstrate. To demonstrate concern for God's work or minister to the needs of others. I know this is, if you missed any of those, I know this is really bugging some of you. So any of those I, I need to repeat. All right, to strengthen, to express, to overcome, to humble, to demonstrate, and to center, okay? All right, so fasting. While fasting is referred to in the Bible more often than things like baptism, it is often overlooked and, uh, and frankly ignored today. Why is that? Why is fasting so ignored? Is it because of unfamiliarity? Perhaps. Is it because of intimidation? <laughs> Sometimes. Is it because of dread or is it because of bad experiences? Does that cover all the bases? I mean, why don't you fast more regularly? Is it because of unfamiliarity, intimidation, dread, or bad experiences? Perhaps. We don't very often do without our stuff or we don't very often stifle our appetites simply for the purpose of doing more with God and experiencing more of his presence. That isn't very attractive to us sometimes. They think, hey, I could do without, and in doing without, I could do with more of God. We don't have that in the front of our mind very often. In fact, our culture, the culture in which we live, the society is slanted against such things. It's slanted against such things. We are told to daily to practice self-care, to, to satisfy every urge and every appetite, to follow our hearts. And it breeds a certain lack of discipline 
an aversion, an allergy toward anything that constrains us or causes us to decide against ourselves. We buck against that. We hate it out of a lack of discipline, out of a dislike of hunger, out of boredom or whatever. We tend to recoil from the thought of not, quote unquote, eating. We recoil from the thought of not eating, not satisfying our felt needs, that felt need to put stuff into our, quote unquote, stomachs, literally or figuratively. That, my friends, is going against the grain. I mean, we live in a time where it's all about you do you. You discover and nurture your authentic self, whatever you think that happens to be today. That's the truest self. Nurture it. And that drives us from those deeper rhythms of the life with God. As a result, we miss out. We miss out on many quiet and transformative moments with God. That stillness that comes from intentionally removing clutter and activity and giving God our full, undivided, undistracted attention. I mean, when we talk about it, it sounds pretty good, right? But I hope you, like me, you're sensing that conflict. You know, I'm a pastor and I slave over a hot Bible every week. I mean, but I still live in this same world and I still, still feel that cultural current driving me toward what's easy, what's, what feels satisfying, the sugary sweetness of self-gratification. But when I return to this place and I hear, even if quietly, that invitation to sit with God and to give him my full attention and to, to, to enter into that full, undivided, undistracted place of attention, man, I want that. And I want that for you as well. Now, it's important to note that nowhere in the Bible are we required to fast or are we commanded to fast in either frequency or duration? You notice you probably can't walk me to anywhere in the Bible where it says, if, if you like Jesus, then you must fast. Or if you don't fast, you're going to sizzle like a piece of sausage. You know, I mean, you're not going to find anything like that because fasting is not commanded. It was not required. Now, while there were fast days, there were days of fasting in the Old Testament, Jesus, being aware of those, never required fasting of his disciples uh, at the time, nor does he require fasting of us today. Likewise, in the early church during the first century, although they regularly practiced fasting, individually and corporately, for various needs and for various reasons, Fasting was never mandated. I think that's significant. Coming from a group of people that were familiar with fasting, that were practiced in, and actually did it quite often, a key takeaway from them was, hey, but you don't have to do this. This isn't a requirement to get to heaven. This isn't a requirement to be a friend of God. You, you can do this. Uh, you should do it, but you don't have to. While fasting seems a natural and intuitive part of the life with God in Scripture, we should not turn it into a religious work. We should not turn it into something by which we are hoping to, to earn favor or merit God's favor. So be on your guard. So, that being said, fasting, however, should not be ignored or neglected in the life of faith. So we kind of have to walk this fine line, okay? We don't go into it thinking that we're gonna be a better Christian or be more liked by God, but on the other hand, 
we shouldn't ignore it. We shouldn't neglect it. Fasting has largely fallen out of favor and fallen out of practice in our modern experience and the practice of the Christian faith. And guys, it's beginning to show. It's beginning to show. There is a certain spiritual lethargy in the American church. We are in a pervasive sort of a food coma. Have you ever been in a food coma? Perhaps it happens around Super Bowl. I don't know. Your Thanksgiving, you know, it's like you eat too much and you just can't really do anything. You can't get up off the couch. I mean, we're in this spiritual, pervasive spiritual food coma, which is keeping us from attending to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Although largely neglected, I believe this. I believe that the spiritual discipline of fasting offers to us, extends to us today, a deep well of spiritual growth, of spiritual intimacy, of vitality, and of reward if rediscovered. So let's not pass it up for any longer. Let's not become, be willingly unfamiliar with it any longer. Try it out, taste and see, enter in, but beware, beware. There's risks involved in practicing fasting as a spiritual discipline. And then maybe they're not the risks that you think. If you've ever tried fasting, you think, oh, the risk here is that I'm gonna die. I am going to die. People have died from fasting, right? And you're like, Oh, yeah, after like a month or more. But I'm sure some people have died way sooner than that. You know, it's like, but that's not the risks I'm talking about. There's basically two risks I want to focus on here. First, the, the, the first risk. Fasting in no way forces something upon God. Let me be clear. Your fasting in no way forces something on God. It cannot and will not coerce him to act in your favor. Your fasting, no matter how earnestly or extensively you fast, it will not twist his arm. Donald Whitney explains, the Bible does not teach that fasting is a kind of spiritual hunger strike that compels God to do our bidding like God is like, no, 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 oh, look how miserable you are. Okay, 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 I don't want you to die. If we ask for something outside of God's will, fasting will not cause him to reconsider. You can't fast God into compliance with your, 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 your aims, your desires. Fasting doesn't change God's hearing so much as it changes our praying. Okay, fasting, it orients us, recalibrates us in God's will. It doesn't actually do anything to, to, to force him into something. Now, that's silly. Most of you are like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be really foolish to do that. <laughs> but if you've ever fasted, I'm pretty sure you've probably thought that. I've found myself fasting thinking that I'm going to just like cause God to feel pity for my case because I'm so miserable. You know, I don't know. That's where our brain goes. and It's hard to stay out of that ditch. Well, on the other side of the proper road of fasting, there's another ditch. The second risk, I would say, uh, on the one side is uh, trying to twist God's arm, force him into doing your bidding or doing your will. The second risk on the other side is once we decide to fast, once we begin fasting, there is a great temptation to feel superior. There's a great temptation to feel more spiritual than those who haven't yet discovered the joy and power of fasting. You ever felt that? All right, no feedback. Do you know how much a bag of Fritos is right now? That's the only time I've ever gotten like a gasp from the audience, right? The price of a bag of Fritos right now. But we don't 
we have to be careful when we start fasting we can very quickly start to feel like we are better than these other you know plebeians that haven't figured out how to fast you know these 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 philistines these barbarians i wish they would get serious about their faith because they don't fast yet yeah we can start like high stepping over everyone else like check me out world i'm so awesome this was a real problem in jesus's day this spiritual puffed upness because they were so awesome at spiritual practices this was a problem among the religious elite the pharisees is what they were called the pharisees they would make a big deal out of their religious activity they would make a big deal out of their praying about their a big deal out of their giving and about and a big deal out of their fasting when the pharisees fasted and when the pharisees prayed you definitely knew about it you didn't have to worry about missing the times when they were praying and fasting they made sure you noticed jesus warned make making a show of your practice of piety it renders it a hollow display making a public show of your piety that renders it a hollow display a failure and it is simply nothing more than a celebration of pride and self-congratulation let's look at matthew chapter 6 this is kind of an extended passage but taken together you kind of get the thrust of what jesus is pointing at he's not just talking about fasting but all the things he does talk about kind of nudge us in that proper direction starting in verse 1 in matthew 6 watch out jesus says don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven when you give to someone in need don't do as the hypocrites do blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private, your Father in private. When Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys them. Where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. A lot of good wisdom there. 
I mean, you could spend a lot of time in this part of Matthew chapter 6 listening to Jesus' cautions about practicing our spiritual life, these spiritual disciplines. Proper interaction with the hidden practices or the uh, uh, inner disciplines, the spiritual disciplines of life with God, they serve a couple of important and helpful purposes. So doing them in private, doing them as Jesus instructed first, the anonymity, the anonymity of giving, of praying and fasting in secret, first it helps beat back the flesh. It helps, helps us wield the sword against ourselves to beat back the flesh, to starve our constant need for attention and approval and acceptance. It helps wean ourselves off of our pride and our insecurity. So fasting is an opportunity to practice, to, to beat back the flesh. This is the first important helpful purpose. The second, as Jesus points out, giving and praying and fasting with the right attitude for the right reasons, it enables us to discover, enjoy, and grow in those deeper rhythms of the Christian faith to grow in those deeper rhythms of the life with God. So not only does it push something back, it pulls something forward. It pulls us deeper into the life with God. So it beats back the flesh and it invites us deeper, closer in to God himself. In heeding Christ's warnings and, and, in, and gladly participating in these rhythms, we find our head and our heart and our hands more aligned with God and his work in the world. We become more attentive and we become more aligned, but also more attuned to how God is at work and how I'm able to join him. And what's more, when we do these things rightly, as Jesus directs us and tells us, we find that we are promised a blessing from God. A blessing from God. It says when you fast, when you pray, when you give in private, no one should notice, but God notices and he will bless you for it. What do we do with that? Over and over again, Jesus is not bashful about this. He says, good things done in secret, secret will be richly rewarded by God. What are those rewards? What does that blessing look like? Here's what we know. In a strange way, our giving and our praying and our fasting, it can only be noticed by one party. Our giving, our fasting, our praying, it will only be noticed by one person. If you do it as a show of religious awesomeness, your reward will be public acclaim. Yes, you will be applauded by your peers, but that is all. That is all. God is a gentleman. He'll step out of the way like, hey, take it away, strangers. Clap loud, baby. <laughs> Hoot and holler. Look how awesome that is. Good on you. I mean... That's it. If you do it for public acclaim, the applaud of your peers is all that you will receive. But if you practice your faithful giving, your faithful praying, and your faithful fasting in private, God will be watching. God will be smiling upon you. He will be enriching and strengthening your life with him in this world and in eternity. What greater blessing is that? That God would look upon you and say, that's awesome. I love it. I love it that you're with me like this. I love that we get to be together with this undistracted space between us. I love it. I love it. He enriches and strengthens our life. That's the blessing. That's the reward. The life of faith, personally and together, it should be marked. It should be marked 
by a willingness to give God our full attention. We should become be becoming a people that are more and more practiced in giving God our full attention. And this is what the spiritual disciplines do, right? They're like the, clock, the bell ringing in the clock tower. They remind us, they call us to this attentiveness. Ah, I get to practice today, giving God my full attention. Our lives together and personally should be marked by a willingness to give God our full attention, to prioritize his will in our lives, and then it, to intercede for the world around us. The practice of fasting has long proven to be a valuable spiritual Christian discipline, a valuable Christian spiritual discipline. It is a rich invitation to grow deeper into the life with Christ, becoming more at home in the presence of God himself. Our choice then, the choice we each have today, is not so much, uh, is it worth it or not? The choice, rather, is when and how will we begin to do it? When will we begin to incorporate the healthy, biblical practice of fasting in our walk with Jesus? If you listened closely today, perhaps you heard the Holy Spirit speak. Perhaps you feel the Holy Spirit calling to you, welcoming you, inviting you into this space. It awaits. It's been awaiting you the whole time. Oftentimes, we've just not been attentive to it. We've not been paying attention. We've not noticed. Well, to this morning, may we notice. What is God inviting you to fast from to maybe set aside this week so that you can accept that invitation? Perhaps you will fast from a meal. Maybe it will be a fast from an episode or from an activity. But may you discover the feast that is awaiting you in God's presence. What joy awaits you within? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the guidance that Jesus gives. As we listen to his words in Matthew chapter 6, it's almost like he's... He's, he really wants us not to miss this. He knows that the walk with the, 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 the intention to follow after God, to, to live a, a religious life is fraught with peril, that the road of righteous living has pretty deep and gnarly ditches on each side. So God, may we listen closely. May we hear that invitation and may we be eager to respond. I pray that each person here would be growing in their, their understanding, but that they would also be growing in their faithfulness. That they would be seeking out every avenue of spiritual growth that is offered to them in the life of Christ. And God, in their, in their study of the word, in their meditation upon scripture, in their prayer life, and in their practice of fasting, whatever that may look like, I pray that there'd be a renewed emphasis and intentionality in that. And God, may we celebrate May we not get weird about it either. May we not be like so, so private that we're unwilling to celebrate with each other the ways God is at work in our life and how fasting is bringing feasting into our lives too. Keep us from being proud. Keep us from being legalistic. Keep us free. May we find fasting to be a, a path that leads to abundant living in Jesus. Discipline our appetites beat back our flesh so that we're more and more ready to attend to the work of the Spirit. God, I pray for my friends here that have been following Jesus, but they felt stuck, stagnated. 
may they hear this and feel a sense of excitement kindled inside them that something awaits them, that they could this week choose to do without so that they, for the first time even, might do with something new in their walk with you. Pray for my friends who haven't followed Jesus. I pray that they would sense the richness and the depth of true life that is offered us through Jesus. Lord, be with us this morning as we consider, as we listen, and as we make plans. May we each prioritize growth in our walk with you. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing one more song. This is a time to worship. You can sing along, but really the best thing you can do is just sit quietly with the Lord. Maybe you've noticed some things. You've heard some things. Maybe things have been brought to your attention. This is your chance to lay that before the Lord and say, Speak, Lord. Walk me through this. Show me. I want this week to be the beginning of something new. Even for three or four or five minutes, this is an opportunity you've been given to do nothing else but truly attend. So I pray that you would, if you'd like to pray with somebody. Curtis is at the back of the room. I'm going to go back there too. Love to pray with you. The thing is, make the most of this opportunity. 